It was all a pipe dream Watching bodyboarding up on TV Deep at reef, watching tension repeats Eating bakery feeds at 18 Living the dream with no sunscreen Yeah, we were so keen Surfing Aussie pipe Buying Riptide Eating shit pies G'day and welcome to the Riptide Bodyboarding Podcast The home of bodyboarding Thank you for joining us on episode 9 of our Verbal Journaling And I'm your host, Luke O'Connor Today's guest is a rhythmic soul who shares his creative prowess through his world-renowned music. He has a thirst for tackling solid ocean lumps on the boog and enjoys a man-made wave pool session every now and again. Plus, he's willing to play a banging house party set for anyone who pre-saves his up-and-coming new album, Anomaly. I'm clearly talking about Chris Emerson, who goes by the artist's name of What So Not. How are you, Chris? Mate, what an intro! That was epic. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no dramas, dude. No dramas at all. Um, yeah, stoked to have you have you on here, and stoked to have a, a mix of bodyboarding mixed with um, such musical talent. It's not something we get on the show all the time. Oh, awesome, mate! That's so good. Love it. For often. Um, so, first question straight off the bat, man. I was thinking this, looking at uh, your busy schedule and, and all the things that you've been up to lately. How are you finding time for waves? Oh, mate, I actually have had this injury. It's probably one of the longer injuries I've had, and it was from that one session at Chippies um, where I did the big scorpion. I don't know if you've seen it. Oh, um, man, I saw that. That did the rounds. <laughs> I, did, I, um, I, went, I like, went and did a bunch of work on it like straight away. Like First off, it didn't even hurt at first. It was fine. I went back out and got my waves, um, and then I was like, I think I'm in shock and I should go in. Um, and I went in and my groin was a bit sore, like I'd pulled something, but only the left groin. That was it. It was all fine. No back, no anything. And then I was heat packing it for a few days. And then, um, I, then I got back to work and I think it was that like sitting in the computer chair, not really doing any stretching, yoga, anything, just all locked up. And then my spine actually locked up. And, uh, that has now been an ongoing issue for about three months, um, I think I'm getting to the bottom of it. I went. I've, I saw a bunch of different specialists in different countries, and then eventually one of them was like, "Yeah, you've hyperextended your stomach, your livers, and or your kidney is like adhered to your liver over here. The joints locked because this muscle's been pulled and strained, and then all this is locked up here." I was just like, "Oh fuck, not a great start, eh?" Um, Man, you've done start. yourself a doozy. <laughs> not a great start to like the the prime Cali wedge season either. I, I went down had one session like a month after the shippy session and um and i was with um tanner and craig whittier and um and i went out it was only like three foot and i got a couple of waves and i was like oh something feels funny so i was only dropping i wasn't doing any you know arched back stuff and then uh and then i got a wave in and, and i felt this like nerve shudder and i was like oh i know what that is and then like you know 30 minutes later my whole back locked up i had to drive an hour and a half back to la after that, and it was the most painful thing, man. I like, couldn't even like turn my head to look and check my blind spot and shit. Um, but, you know, shit happens. Uh, I've gone for one little surf since then in like two foot conditions over at Zeros. Um, but I'm looking forward to get back in there. I, I've actually got to drive past Waco on the weekend, but I don't think my body's ready for that yet. So that was a really exciting plan that's fallen by the wayside. 
Oh, man. Well, I, I guess looking back on that wipeout and seeing the position that you got yourself into, no wonder you just listed all those medical ailments. Like, dude, you <laughs> dropped top to bottom on like a 10-footer and the way the weight came down on your body, like it, was, it wasn't it was like a normal airdrop where you might absorb it, like say in your stomach or your ribs or whatever. Like it was legitimately all up in your throat and head. How did you, you know, I know you said you felt fine after it, but did any of the fellas out there at that time kind of just come up to you and being like, are you all right, man? Like you shouldn't kind of still be here right now. Oh, we were all laughing. We were laughing our heads off. Um, and like, it was pretty funny because... It was it was a smaller day that day. That was probably one of the bigger ones of the day. And Harley Ward was out there on the soft top. So he was kind of calling us into those ones and then going the ones in between. And uh, he just got one. So we were all out of position. And I'm like, Fran, like biggest wave of the day, see this lump, see the dark water coming up. And I'm like paddling, paddling, paddling. I paddled so hard, I paddled off the takeoff spot and accidentally paddled to the step. So I took off like just above the step. And... Um, I grew up on, like, DY Point. It's a pretty throwy, slabby wave there. And the takeoff at First Rock, you do kind of, like, pick up a bit of boil, and it's like a chundering whitewash, and it just throws you out over the, like, off off, off the top of the wave and um, out on the flats, and you just kind of stick it and hold, and that's kind of how you get into that one. So I was like, oh, yeah, fuck it, I'll do it on, on Shippy's wave. <laughs> it did not turn out. <laughs> I was like... Literally, I'm going over the step, like, I, I got this, I got this. And then looking back at the footage, I'm just going top to bottom, and I've just started pivoting more and more and more vertical um, as I'm about to hit the bottom. And then I hit the bottom, and you can see I just kind of land on my face and my chest, and then the whole body just arcs over the back. Um, it was a pretty calm wipeout, though. Like, I, I, I like got thrown around a bit. I hit the reef at the bottom. Um, I came up. I saw the next wave, but my arm leash had slid down a bit, and I was like, all right, I can either just get away from this wave and not go through the boulders or and lose my board, or I can grab my leash and miss out on those two paddles and probably have to, like, avoid the boulders. So I grabbed my leash because I was <laughs> like, I love this board. Shout out, wingers. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and then, yeah, it took me straight into the boulders, but I'd, I'd managed to, like, they talk about this... Um, technique if every year in the avalanche how you have to like swim up like the avalanche and i was kind of doing that like as the white water hit me i was like swimming up the white water so i got to the top of it rather than being like in the bottom of it and it sort of just threw me over and between the boulders rather than like just impacting into them and that ended up in the bay there um kind of trying to like beat like six foot straight whitewash that was trying to throw me into the rocks again um and got back out Man, it is a vicious wave, hey, um, in, in regards to what you have to deal with out there. And you really make a valid point at the start of that um, start of that description in regards to where you take off. Like, it's so critical. And it feels weird because, you know, all your instincts are going, go further over, go further over. You want to have the ability to make this wave. But you want the slingshot. You need that little boil push at the takeoff there to yeah. kind of come in behind it. And it's always a good idea to backdoor it. You watch... You know Harley and 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 Charles and Sam Tom uh, Sam Thomas and all that. You know, and obviously yourself out there too. It's it's just like lining yourself up. And if there's that one mistake, and you're not getting that that um that push that that needed energy, you're in a whole lot of trouble. Hence the hence the situation you found yourself in. Yeah, you, you kind of just can't make it there. Like you just you don't have the speed, and then you you're in the air, and 
yeah, you got to sit really in the right spot. Uh, and I was a little bit unlucky. It was definitely like, that was my fifth attempt out there. It was the first time I was ever like, okay, I'm going to really give this a go. All the other times, honestly, man, it's like such a journey to get down there. You got to hike in an hour and a half and then you're waiting for the right point in the day to go out. And honestly, most of the time I've surfed there for 40 minutes, just got three waves and gone straight in. Like, that's it. I'm not going to risk it. Just going to, you know, picked off a couple happy, made it or a couple wiped me out, but like, did well i'm just going in not going to risk it and then that day i was like really going for it <laughs> definitely paid the price no but you are right man it's an achievement just to even make it to that wave it's it's almost like a journey you're like climbing a mountain or you're going like a coda trail or something it's not um it's not just easy as rocking up in the car park at a local northern beaches join and being like oh there's waves out there i'll just throw my stuff off and um and get out there but i've wanted to ask you man you Mentioned DY Point, so that's where your bodyboarding journey started around the northern beaches. Yeah, I grew up mainly surfing curl curl, and then there, although the localism is like hectic at DY Point, so it was a bit hard being a grom on a bug out there. Uh, and then also uh, just around Ferry Barrow, I loved it around there as well. Yeah, sick, sick. I've um, surfed curl curl a couple of times, haven't surfed DY Point, I've checked it, but um. Curl Curl is just a lovely beach, man. Those A-frames are, are made for Boogan. Oh, it was a fantastic wave to grow up on, yeah. It was, it was just really, really forgiving in parts, or you could, you know, it was quite slabby for a beach break as well, and there was always something weird going on, which I think favours bodyboarding more than surfing. There's a little lump or a boil or a wedge or a, a yeah, little A-frame somewhere or like a, a chundering little bowly section in a rip going out or something like that. Yeah, epic. Yeah, no, I, I I agree. I've had the chance, and it's it's all right. Um, just thinking back to the conditions, it's it's all right on a northerly too. So you were kind of saved in those like summer slop days. Exactly. That's when you get those sneaky little summer sessions, like the perfect little two three foot barrel, just like reeling in on the shore. Oh man, you'd be on the boog for days, full sunburn, <laughs> coming back. You know, it's having a beverage, or obviously if you're a little bit younger, just having. A paddle pot, whatever, but yeah, that's oh, <laughs> such good days, eh? Um, where'd you go from there, man? Like, you know, obviously Northern Beaches was the first start, and did you move anywhere else um, that continued the bodyboarding froth from there on in? Yeah, it was interesting. Like, I loved it when I was when I was a teenager and a, and a kid, but I wasn't that good at it, and I used to be quite frightened, to be honest. Like, I'd sometimes like looking back now, there are only only like three or four foot waves. I'd be a bit scared when I was a kid, so. It's pretty crazy to see where it ended up, doing things I never thought I would do. Um, and I know you can go much bigger, but for me, I'm just, like, kind of blown away I even got there. Um, I had this, I, like, I kind of lived in the Northern Beaches and, and started DJing and doing a few other things. And then, like, very quickly things just took off. You know, I've been doing it for quite a while, barely breaking even or losing money, and then suddenly something clicked. And I just sort of backed myself, quit my, my day job, and went for it and um i think the next year with the day's notice they're like you got to go to america tomorrow we've got to sort out this visa through this process you just got to get into the country on this thing etc etc and then i was on tour for like six or seven years um and i i didn't realize how important the ocean to me was to me until i left so suddenly and i started getting really sad and like just feeling horrible and lazy and and I realized it because I was on exercising. Because for me, I didn't even exercise or think about it when I was when I was younger. I was just like going surfing every day because I loved it, you know. So I had to start 
jogging as like my form of exercise when I wasn't near a coastline. But I did always find this weird thing of like wherever I land in the world, as long as I find some little body of water, like a river in a park or a creek or whatever, go jog by that and always make me feel a lot better. And just like if there was a pool in the hotel or something, I'd just go like do somersaults and play around and hold my breath underwater. I don't know, it's just like like a little dolphin playing in water like at the shore break or something. And um, <laughs> it, it was nice. It was really settling. And then I, I actually went to Hawaii um, and I went to the North Shore and I went surfing there, but I went to Pipe and it was like, you know, like Aussie seven, eight foot, kind of clamping on the exit that I'd, I'd never like seen how hectic it is there like that current just ripping down on the shoreline and the so how is it where you got to jump out man it's insane dude it's like you, you i think you meant to jump out sort of in front of back door and get ripped yep. across as you paddle out and then you got to avoid the waves coming in that are beside um pipe and i just look mental and I, I was there with my brother my brother's a surfer my dad's a surfer and we were like, I had to go rent a board if I wanted to go out. And I was just like debating on the shore for like an hour, like had the confidence and then sort of like, oh, no, I don't want to do it. I just don't think my mind and my body are ready. And, you know, I've, I've been like hard on the road then for a couple of years and I was not like strong and fit and I, I probably couldn't hold my breath very well. I probably could get an injury very easily. Just like, you know, sitting on all the planes, all the – not even partying, but just like late night, no sleep, onto the next show, flying to the next place, all of that stuff. Like I just didn't feel very good. And that was when I said to myself, I'm never going to let that happen again. It was my dream as a kid to come out and surf a wave like this. And here I am, I have the opportunity and I'm not ready. Um, and that was when I made a bunch of changes in my life that were really important, I think, for my mental and physical health. Wow, man, that's that's amazing. That's that, and and that's such a big um, decision you had to make there and then. And I think you really did make the right one. And I've had to occasionally in in my own bodyboarding journey do the same thing because if you're not mentally prepared and obviously physically prepared, you're not going to enjoy yourself. You're going to put yourself in danger, and you're going to put probably others in danger too. Because that that tight little takeoff spot out of pipe is one of the scariest. Um, situations I've ever probably put myself in because you're at the mercy, obviously, one of the ocean, but you're at the mercy of the crowd, and the crowd yeah. is as aggressive and and intense as as any crowd I've ever experienced. And I, I think a lot of other people say the same thing. That so you're just out there, kind of having to go with the flow. And if a situation does arise where you know there's wash throughs or there's um, hassling or there's crazy localism, you know, there's someone telling you to fuck off pretty much. It's somewhere that you need to be fully prepared for. So hats off for having the common sense just to be like, I'm going to come back and tackle this another time when I've got my body in shape. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, something that's been interesting about, like, from that point, I was surfing everywhere. I was like, I, I landed in um, Barcelona one day and I had, like, the day off and had to play, I think, later that night. And usually you'd sleep because you're jet-lagged in the hotel. And I was like, nah, I'm going to jump on another little plane. I'm going to go to one of these little islands. I'm going to surf in the Mediterranean. So, I like, I just started living life like that. Like, I have to go here for work. I mean, I'm paying for it, but, like, I've got to spend that cost anyway. How do I maybe just spend a couple more hundred bucks and, like, find some epic little wave, like, around this region that, um, that happens to be going off in this time that I'm here? And I was always willing to travel a couple of hours to do it because I was already sort of on a travel day. Um, 
and that's been so exciting i've got to surf most of the waves i ever dreamed about surfing you know as a kid like i've come across them or been around them and um either sort of worked it out myself or had some really awesome locals that sort of ushered me into like um get me into the lineup so sick man and and that's such an amazing um attitude to have because a lot of people just buckle down and be like okay works work let's get it done and we can play a little bit later but obviously with your chosen career and the success you've had you've visited so many countries in the world i can only imagine the, like the setups you've seen may i ask what your favorite setup has been oh man there's so many good ones like they've all got their little quirks you know um I do, I do love the waves from home. I love Newcastle area. Um, I mean, God, Shippies is such a magic wave, man. Like, there's a few other spots around Tassie. Um, Nicaragua is, like, absolutely incredible. They have this phenomenon there where they, they have this giant inland lake that pretty much creates offshore winds, like, constantly. So you just go there as long as there's waves, it's on. I don't know if you guys have ever gone and looked up some of the spots, but it's just so good. Um, I love Cali Wedge. I mean, I broke my ankle out there, um, but, uh, like, it's such a powerful and insane wave. I wish I didn't drop me on left, though. Like, it's pretty psycho drop me on that thing. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to ask, like, are you mostly prone or drop me out there? Because I've seen some footage of your drop me, man, and you've you've got the skills down pat. I'm trying. I, mean, I started drop me late, but I loved it so much. It's probably what stopped me ever from starting surfing is I was like, oh, like, I'll just pick what I want to do as the wave comes in like if it's too heavy I'll just prone it out or if it's like you know feeling challenging and worth a go I'll give it a drop knee um, and yeah I, I love the motion of it and um, I think it, it just looks so beautiful I think drop knee and the, the way you can throw spray um, is really amazing even getting into those like wave pools and, and all that sort of stuff uh, and not even the like the stationary pools like I find so fun for drop knee as well you can really just throw in there yeah, for sure, like a standing wave or something like, um, yeah. uh, what was that one over in, uh, uh, was one over yeah, in got, Africa, I'm pretty sure, that standing yeah, they, they wave. Had, they had one in Singapore and it was like, it's like a six foot wave. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, and it, the, the water's coming out at like 40Ks an hour, like it was hectic. <laughs> and, and that's pretty much just like fiberglass or concrete underneath you, eh? Yeah, I remember like, yeah, it, it was it was pretty hectic. It was it was hard to ride. Uh, I learned I learned a lot about surfing from surfing those um, those pools and those stationary waves. They're just like they teach you things that you wouldn't usually pick up on. And also, I sprained my spine um, in 2020, and part of my recovery was just swimming and body surfing. But I couldn't have like a rigid object between me and the wave, so I couldn't have a bodyboard. So I started body surfing a lot, um, just when I was starting to almost get better. And I learned so much from that about waves and where the power truly lies and like like bottom, bottom turning with your body versus bottom turning with a boogie board and like the different line you should take. And then I was like, oh, if I did this with a boog, I could get so much more power if I took this body surfing line. And I know that now because I've done it. Um, it was very interesting and feeling the, the power under the wave and like in front of the wave that you can utilize if you work out how to um, using your body when you don't have this object in between you. It's very interesting. 
That's a super valid point, man. You look at so many of the masters, like the watermen and water women of um of our you know of our generation or of any generation. They've all tapped into various crafts out in the water, whether it be body surfing, whether it be um, Nilo, stand up, um, stand up paddle boarding, anything like that, because you're just getting a different perspective. It's almost like taking psychedelics or doing you know, rounds of meditation, you're just getting that different, um, that different perspective on, on what you love so much. So that's, yeah. Hats off to you, man. That's, that, that's really cool. You learned something through a real tough situation too. Like I'm sure it's not the funnest thing having a sprained spine. No, it was kind of sucked. It was so annoying. And I did it like, ironically, like, um, during COVID, it was the way I was sitting at my work desk because I was no longer looking at my phone. I, I used to always have my head down looking at my phone while I'm touring around. Like, uh, I think I just lost my recording. Give me one second. Yeah, yeah that's all good, man. That's all good. <laughs> Why did it do that? It just bugged out for a minute. I'm constantly looking down at mine too. That's one of the biggest things doing these podcasts. It's so critical that you don't lose this audio. It's an, yeah, it's a nightmare. Check, check, check. There we go. All right, now we're back and running. You missed a, a micro moment, but it's all good. Um, yeah, look, it actually happened because I, when I was just living my life, usually I'm looking at my, down at my phone a lot, so my head's always forward. And then suddenly during COVID, I wasn't doing that at all. I was only looking up, and I had the screen a little too high. And then that's what did it was just that posture change, and then going out. I was doing, you know, just sitting there working in the studio for eight, ten hours, whatever. And then I was going and surfing in like pretty heavy surf in Newcastle. And one day, like, I was out there and I was like, my neck doesn't feel right. And I got this one drop knee wave that was, like, reasonably sizey, but nothing crazy. And it just, like, fell off. And then I came up and I was like, oh, this really hurts. And then, I, yeah, I went in and I had sprained spine. Man, the ergonomics, eh? The bloody ergonomics of working get you. and pleasure. Yeah, they'll get you. So many people these days actually have invested in standing desks just for that reason because, the you know, as you were saying before with your other injuries, sitting down is not a healthy position to be in for a human being for long periods of time anyway. Yeah, definitely. I've, I've definitely noticed, particularly all these back injuries, you see how quickly you're taking a toll on yourself. And, like, I, I guess it's encouraged me to just kind of get up and take that space away from the computer for just a couple of minutes every hour. And I, I think you actually work better like that anyway. Yeah, yeah, you definitely do. You've, you've got to pull yourself out of the vortex. You know, sometimes I find, and this has only been an addition to my stretching recently, I'll just push myself up against the wall. Like I said, lay down on the ground, put my legs up against the wall and just have my calves and hammies and, and bum pressed against it, pressed against the wall, sorry. And it kind of... Um, it, it, it kind of loosens my lower lumbar and, and kind of uh, just reverse stretches me out because, you know, gravity is always constantly pulling you back towards earth and it's it's that downwards pressure on your body. Doing that really helped with um, drawing the blood away from my feet, which helps me sleep at night, surprisingly yeah, not. Nice. I don't know the, the reason why, but it does. And it just, like, loosens up my lower back. And we all know as boogs, man, as, like, bodyboarders, it is so bad on the body sometimes. Like, it's not the most... Um, it's not the most satisfying thing for the spine, being on a bodyboard for four or five hours of the day. <laughs> no, I have to do all these counter-stretches when I'm in the water now. I'm, like, hunch forward over my... I got, I got um, shown all these techniques by this, like, monk yoga master, and he was, like, these are... It was, like, three or four stretches. He's, like, pretty much you just need to do these and you'll be sweet forever. 
and then like I just work out how to do them in the water or do them when I come in or before I go out or before I go to bed before I surf and it usually makes sure all the the injuries that are sitting sitting there don't come forth. Yeah, epic. And it's good you've got the mindfulness to understand that, you know, as you get older and we all get older, it's like you need to look after your body in certain ways. As you were saying, back in the curl curl days, you can just go down the beach and just have a ball and do it all again the next day. But as the the, the body gets beaten down, so does the um, understanding that needs to be respected. Yeah, I, I used to look at backwash like, how high can I get off this? And then you come to somewhere like Newport Wedge in Cali and you're like, I'm avoiding that thing. There's no way I'm coming here. <laughs> yeah, man. Some of the wipeouts, like I, I, I haven't surfed it myself, but I've watched so much of that uncut raw footage on YouTube and some of the things that go down out there is insane. Is it, is it, is it um, as heavy as it looks? Like is it, is it demanding? Yeah, it's, it's really heavy. Like it, it's like playing a game of football. Like you, you come out of it feeling like you've been beaten up and shoulder charged and just like ripped apart every way it's it's pretty intense even on the smaller days like it just the sand is so hard and it's so shallow and it just throws you and even the small ones just give you a working and you just you come in you're just so sore who's um the main rippers out there man like obviously tanner and craig are amazing but are there any local underground dudes we should be looking out for yeah, there's a couple. I know most of them by their like Instagram handles, or I just chat to them on there, so I don't, <laughs> I don't know their, like, their proper names half the time. I mean, there's one guy called OC Wedge. He rips. Um, who else is there? Um, yeah, there's a bunch. There's some really good surfers. I hang out with Donkey a lot there, Brad Donkey, who's the skateboarder, yep. and he surfs as well. Um, Tristan's amazing. He rips. He goes so hard. Um, yeah, there's, there's always, like, crew coming in and out as well who, like, have seen it and, like, it's their first time there and they actually really rip. They've come up for the day. They've heard it's on. Like, um, uh, what's that guy? KO came one time, that surfer, and I saw Hub there one time. And, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, epic, epic. What a wave. And going back to um, our conversation previously in regards to the standing wave um, and your, your recent session at Urban Surf down in Melbourne, what were the differences you found there? I think that urban surf wave is incredible. They've really nailed the uh, the pool wave. I've done the Kelly one, and the Kelly one was very hard. It was so fast. I was like, "How did you get an invite to the Kelly one, man? That's that's hectic." Yeah, my so it's hard because it's so expensive. I think they charge like. 50 grand an hour if you're not invited like it's it's like crazy um but uh i got invited to this session it was like me and kai lenny and steve aoki and um what's the girl bethany who lost her arm she was there bethany hamilton Uh, yeah and um there's a couple others but the the people that are like the pr group for the pool or were the PR group for the pool they did some work with uh, the management company that represent me and they they just hit them up and then they they managed to work it out they have these like not that I'm a celebrity but they have these celebrity days and then uh, I just got sort of in on one of those and oh man I had a blast like it was so so cool and so fun and they're like whip you in on a jet ski like if someone falls off and yeah, it was awesome, but it was it was one of the most challenging waves I've ever been on. 
I've got, I should send you guys this, I've never posted it, but I've got this, um, I've got like a really nice drop knee barrel out there. And it was in a spot, like, although it's a pool and it's meant to be predictable and consistent, sometimes it does certain things and sometimes it doesn't. And I got this barrel on the left that's usually on shore, like right at the start of it where it's not usually meant to barrel. And it was, I was like pretty deep. I was actually in there like there's no way I can come out of this. So I was like not going as fast as this this beast of a thing. And I think the, the lip had come like a meter and a half maybe in front of me. And, so, and then I just like, it just kind of stalled up and I just shot out and I was so stoked. Um, but yeah, it's such a challenging wave. And the, the one that got Urban Surf, really, really good for like picking your line and, and, and then just like cutting into that perfect spot. And you can almost feel the rebound behind you kicking in. There's, there's like a cross wave that kicks in after, if you're like third or fourth wave, I reckon those are the best waves to get, the third or the fourth one in the set. And, um, you get like a sidewash that can like warp and open up the barrel. You can either sit behind the sidewash and it's just throwing in front of you and holding it open, or you can get right on it if you're in the right spot for it. I got beast mode there one night as well, and that was so challenging. It was like a little bit more wonky and like very unforgiving. But I, I was trying to do most of them in drop knee, and it was it was quite tricky to like get your line, have the right speed, and be in the right spot with all the the sidewash and the warping and often with those pools i think what's going to happen is quite disguised because it's so clear the water and it's just a smooth even looking bottom it's not like you see a reef and a boil and you know what's going to happen it's a, it's a little bit different and i noticed with the kelly pool it it didn't have like you had to be way higher up on the wave to get any power i think because it's a single wave that one whereas the urban surf one they have pulses that have sets so i think it sort of behaves more like an ocean where there's a bit of a push and a pull but the kelly one was crazy like if you went too low like where you would usually sit if you were trying to like tuck into a barrel you just lose all your speed and you're gone yeah yeah no it definitely looks like that i've had the privilege of surfing urban surf and i know what you mean about the um the pulsing sensation and like the different waves that are coming in. Obviously, the technology is com- completely different, but um, the Kelly one, just from only um, observation through you know YouTube clips or watching the WSL when they when they held that comp there, that it seems a little bit more armady in and 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 obviously looks perfect and runs down the line really nicely, but it doesn't. Um, yeah, it doesn't give you as many entry points as 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 you would think it looks like, and you can even tell from the level of surfing, like they're they're the best in the world. But one mistake there, and you're kind of gone. Where at Urban Surf, mm. it, it seems like it, it it's that little bit more playful and more slabby, kind of almost like the waves here in Australia. Exactly. Yeah, and I remember when I was at the Kelly one, the guys were like, "Just make sure you don't turn," and I was like, "What do you mean?" They're like, "If you turn, you're gone." It's like, leave the turning for the pros. And I was like, really? And then I got on there and I was like, oh, they're not joking. I also found it, I found it harder to prone than I did to drop knee. When I was drop kneeing, I was like pumping and pushing. And I was like, oh, this is what you need to like make it work on the bug. But it was just so much harder to like find the right spot for me in the in prone. That's super interesting, eh? That's, that's, that's a really cool insight. And that's, that's a one in a lifetime opportunity, man. Like, you know, I know you made the comment that you're, not a celebrity before, but I think you're underselling yourself there, brother. Like that's that's a that's a high class group of people there got invited, and you had the privilege of going to the goats wave pool, man. That's that's epic. Get like put that in the in the pool room, eh? If you've got a frame of that, that's <laughs> sick. Yeah, yeah. I got, I got uh, some nice some nice snacks from that one. Yeah. 
Yeah, epic, dude. And definitely send it over to Rippies, man. We would be frothing to to have that, especially, um, you know, it's especially it's, it's it's a little bit of a funny one, like a, a bodyboarder getting a run at like a predominantly um, surf-dominated wave. It's sick. Yeah, all the, all the staff are saying, and I don't know if this is true because I, I think I heard somewhere else that somebody had already done but they were like, that's the first time someone's come out of a drop-knee barrel at, at the um, at the ranch. Because I think there are so few bodyboarders that even get out there and even fewer that drop me. <laughs> oh, dude, that's sick. That's sick. Talking about wave pools, man, and, and, you know, obviously you've had experience on two of the main ones in the world. Where do you think it's going? And what would you like to see come out of wave pool technology? Hmm, interesting. It's, it's a weird one because I think they are fantastic fun and I, it, it turns it more into, like, the skate park kind of situation where you can get a repetitive simulation of something to practice on. Like if you look at say the urban surf one, you're paying, I think it's 120 bucks and you're guaranteed about 10 waves. So, and and that's like 10 of the best waves of the day. If you went to something that size at your local break, which might take you, you know, depending on your skill level and your, uh, your, your level in the hierarchy at the local break that might take you two or four months to achieve you know but you can just do that in one day in one session so it gives you the ability to train and learn and pick up on things that would take you such um so much longer and you and you look at like the safety of it compared to the ocean you can get grommets out there who are eight years old trying to pull a a rodeo clown in in, on like a surfboard you know and it's not like they're really going to hurt themselves too much. Whereas in the ocean, it might be hard to find that way. You got to deal with all the ocean dramas and like swells and currents and closeout sets and, and whatever else is coming at you. So I think in that sense, it's, it's pretty amazing. There's a bit of a conflict for me because, you know, we're trying to be about the ocean, be about nature, not be building things that are, you know, causing problems for the environment, but the, the pools are also doing that. But I wonder if there's a way that they can use like you know all of our passion for the ocean to implement um aspects into these builds that make them more friendly in that sense yeah true man it's and that's a very valid point you raise because i was lucky enough to do an article about tom moray um and his passing and, and going through some of his achievements that he's you know through his illustrious career and one of the first designs for wave pool was designed by himself and he wanted to use um, a, a local river or a waterfall or some high-powered um, water moving that would have created like essentially create like a hydro setup so you could just be powered yeah. off the nature's um i guess nature's comings and goings so yeah you've you're definitely right and it's all these it's it's, it's such a cliche and it's said a lot but this but, it, but it's so true like technology is there to save our planet but it's also they're destroying it because you even look at like say solar panels for example solar panels are amazing and, and like lithium batteries and it's a great way to to capture energy and to to power things up but where are those materials going when they come to the end of their life you know like yeah. there's there's so many there's so many things you've got to weigh up but um it's really nice to hear that you do that do have that in mind and i was i was only thinking when you were mentioning it obviously there is um there is rhythm and energy in the ocean and and your your body runs off circadian rhythms and we can all 
feel that that energy and 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 vibes even when you're hanging out with certain people in regards to to, to groups or close friends and and the different energy around us at any given stage have you utilized um those those uh, experiences and inspirations in the water and thrown it into your music oh 100 100 like um the the ocean for me is so important in like kind of centering me and getting me in, almost into that childlike state where you, you don't overthink things you just do what you do and I, and I think the best music you ever create is from just channeling that just kind of letting it happen um, and I think the ocean gets me back there every time just it gets me smiling gets me happy gets me jumping around with joy and energy full flow state eh? as in not thinking just doing yeah it really is like that like you just you, you just get into this spot and like I look at it like this like I'm, I'm not a traditionally trained musician I just kind of worked it out through producing and like programming and all of that and um, sometimes I play like a riff or a melody and like I literally don't even know how to play that but I just did that like where did that come from you know <laughs> like that blows my mind yeah but that's really cool because that's so intrinsic and, and it's and it's just trusting your gut and just going with whatever your um your i guess i mentioned at the start of the podcast like your creative prowess like how how you see and feel things and you know i was only listening to a podcast today um that was referencing the brain possibly as our antenna that picks up um vibrations and signals and energy and uh, i guess really if, if you're a creative like much like if i'm doing an article or, or a podcast you can kind of just let those things evolve and develop as they go and it doesn't need pre-planning it just needs an open mind and a good clear headspace which would also rep- represent a flow state yeah 100% yeah it's exactly like that talking about flow states and and talking about being in the zone i <laughs> I um I loved your energy at Splendor in the Mud, man, this year. Like, how'd you get through that, bros? <laughs> Dude, I was just trying to do my best, you know. Like, I was going there with um with Oliver Tree to to do the to do the show, and man, people were so bummed and defeated. The staff were defeated. The crowd were like, some people stuck in their cars for like, I think even ten hours. I went out into the crowd. Oh, not into the crowd, into the campsite, um, just to see, like, what was going on and hang out with some people and try and do some sets. And um, I, like, the first one I went to, they were they were literally ankle deep in mud, like, wet mud in their tent, and their beds are in that. So, like, their beds are literally just laying in ankle deep mud, and they're sleeping on that, and they're just trying to, like, enjoy themselves. And they're in such good spirits. It was so cool to see, and... Um, they didn't have a DJ set up, but I got on the Bluetooth and was like rocking all these unreleased tunes and stuff. And it was, it was just such a cool vibe. And I just wandered around the campsite for a while, just seeing how everyone was doing and, and doing that with a few other campsites and, um, hanging out with some people. And then, yeah, I had to pack it in pretty early because I had to fly to Canada the next morning from Brisbane and get up to there that, that night. And then, um, and then head over to this, uh, regional festival Shambhala over there. Wow. The schedule continues on. The show rolls yeah. on. Yeah, that's hectic. And what was um, obviously you were just speaking about, like you know, the certain situations people found themselves in that in those campsites, and you know, I've I've been I've been to ones uh, not splitting the grass. I've been to falls, and um, obviously that can be 
that usually isn't rain. It's more heat and it's 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 more uncomfortable by 8 a.m. when you're hungover as hell and you're 10 and the sun beaming through and you don't want to face the world yet. Um, what were the what were the what were the conditions like? I know there was a lot of mud, but like, were people getting through it? Like, were were people packing it in? Like, what what was the go? Everyone I saw there was having a blast. They were like taking it in good stride. Um, yeah, I think everybody that stayed had a really really good time. Um, Might have been hard to get through that first day though. I know it sounded like a nightmare. Yeah, for sure. That rains off its head. I've never seen so much rain in my life. How was your set? Oh, it was epic, man. It was the amphitheatre. There was like, I don't know, 50,000, 60,000 people there. It was crazy. Yeah. And you, um, your relationship with Oliver Tree, I, I'm i always intrigued <laughs> with, with, with that because I remember seeing some crazy stuff happening before Splendour in regards to chasing him down around the world, confronting him in person. What what was the go? Man, he's all over the place. I, I never know what way is up with Oliver. <laughs> but uh look he's he's a good dude at heart he's just got to work through it sometimes and and try and work out if he's serious or not uh he's a phenomenal artist i'll give him that um the song we did together was very early in his career i think only just after he'd even done his first ep is oliver tree and he came in and he freestyled like pretty much the whole song he'd never even heard the beat i played it for him he just freestyled the whole thing i was like holy shit this guy's insane that is talent, hey. That is, as yeah. we were speaking about before, full flow state, just being able to allow everything to just come into his brain and then be regurgitated out through his mouth whilst keeping the beat, like, you know, in time. That's insane. Yo, yo, you there? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm here. Did it drop out? No, I think it was, I think it was good. I think I'd, it just seemed so quiet. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. Just for everyone um, listening at home, we are doing a podcast from here in Oz all the way over to LA. So if there are any um, little misbeats or there are any pauses in the conversation, I do apologise. It's just um, you know We've had a couple, technology. We've had a couple of little ones. Yeah, a couple of little <laughs> no, ones, man. No, not at all. Not at all, dude. Um, I. I was I was also um, really taken to man by all the different artists that you've worked with over the time. Like just to name a few, you've got Daniel Johns, Skrillex, Toto, R.L. Grimes. Can you give me? Um, I won't I won't ask you to pick your favourite, but can you give me one of your best moments up on stage with with one of those artists? Oh, uh, in terms of up on stage, man, I did. I did both the uh, Laneway Sydney show and Splendor in the Grass with Dan, Dan Johns. And he doesn't really perform um, ever in general. So for him to sort of muster it all up and, and, and be enthusiastic about coming and doing that with me felt so special. Um, and I think particularly at Splendor, like he was going through some stuff and he kind of just came to Splendor to hang out with us as a friend and just like you know just live his life a bit he's usually just tucked up in his house and it's, it's a bit tricky for him sometimes um just with you know being a child star and the way the media sort of went after him for so many years and um and then that you know when you don't have your own voice through social media and things that can really be hard and and, and people just think what the media says you know 
So I think that was such a special moment for him and to just see him let loose and enjoy himself and he came up on stage and he's like, I, he's a caliber of performer that you just don't really see anymore in the world. And I was so grateful to have him up on, uh, on both those shows. That's so cool. And so cool. He, he's a fellow countryman too, mate. Yeah. Yeah. Newy boy. Is he a newy boy? He's a newy boy. Yeah. Oh, mate, that's epic. God, Newcastle produces some talented people. Yeah, yeah. Garth McGregor, Mole Rat, we've got a mole. I know, mate. The Johns' brother. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Craig Anderson. Man, it just keeps on coming. Steel City. Steel City love. Yeah. I actually, I I bought a house there. I lived there. I lived there with Dan for uh, probably half of the sort of COVID year off. And a bunch of other people were saw this crazy art commune. It was a blast. And then I was like, damn, Newcastle is so underrated. I'm going to live here. Yeah, it is. It, it really is. I've, I've only been up there probably a handful of times. But every time I go there, it's almost like what um, I I live in a place in southern Sydney called Cronulla. And, um, dude, it's what Cronulla used to be like 10, 15, maybe 20 years ago. Don't be wrong. There's all your resources, it's modernised, it's great, but it's still got a really cool community feel of a coastal town, like a surfing coastal town where Cronulla is starting to become more of the big bad city in the metropolis city of Sydney, you know. So, it's um, yeah, it's re- it's really nice to see. I hope it holds on it forever. Yeah, definitely. You're a shy boy, mate. Love it. I love oh, it. Oh, bro, I know. The shy, the shy <laughs> will haunt me everywhere I go, eh? <laughs> so funny. Like, I, I, I lived at um, a place called Grace Point uh, for 25 years at my parents' house. And, you know, I, I would always say to people, um, yeah, like, I live at Grace Point. And they're like, oh, where's that? Because it's a small little place tucked away near the National Park. And then I'd have to go, oh, like, the Cronulla region, Southern Shy. And they're like, oh, you're a shire boy and then the stigma comes out and i'm already labeled before they know me bro <laughs> you're on you're on the fringes you're on the outskirts you know you're not part of that riffraff right nah nah oh man well i don't even know what the riffraff is anymore it's changed so much dude like yeah. it's gone it's gone crazy i think there's I've, a lot of money here now and just people want to buy it all up yeah definitely i i, I don't know if you know of another music producer um, named Enshway, but he's a shy boy. He grew up there, and he um, he fucked his back up at the island when he was really young, but he used to be a super keen bodyboarder too. Really? What was his – is, is Enshway his um, artist name? Yeah, that's his artist name, yeah. What's his, what's his full name, if you – do you know that? Uh, Nick, and his last name's uh, very German. It's like – I can't even remember. It starts with an S. But, yeah, he was Hexy. like a little – Little Nullagrom that uh, had a pretty serious back injury at Ireland when he was younger, and then kind of just didn't surf much after that. I think. Yeah, I, I don't blame him. I've had a couple of near misses out there. Where actually the other day, only about two or three months ago, I was out there on a very just you know mundane three to four foot south day, nothing too special, but. I got super overconfident and thought, I'm just going to push this a bit more here and just I'm going to try and take off as deep as I can at the peak. And when when it's south like that and it's a good long period, it'll hit the peak and you'll get those ones that'll just wrap the whole reef so it doesn't feel like it's so south. It actually feels like it's got a bit more east and it's got some kink in it. Yeah. And I just got too overzealous, man, and, and forgot where I was and um, got flipped in – got flipped in the barrel but the trough hit me so hard that instead of flipping me on my back 
it just pushed me up and 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 then pushed me back down and i landed on the reef like just in the squatting position so all the forces came through my feet and then up through my legs into my back and i didn't hear a little crack until it got to the top of my neck so the energy must have gone the whole way through my body dude and and i thought to myself here we go i've just broken my back luckily enough it was just a sprain and strain i kind of got over it after a couple of weeks with some 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 work yeah man but it can happen so quickly and it can happen just on that lapse of concentration eh? Yeah, that wave is – I surfed it a bit when I was a kid. Like, we'd do little missions down. But it was like an hour and a half drive. You had to find someone who had a car. We were all, like, 15 and stuff. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, I was there a couple of days and it was really big and I was sort of just sitting and watching more so than anything. But I had a good crack, like, on some four or five-foot days and just got smoked and, like, just smashed into the reef on my shoulder and ripped my wetsuit. And, dude, that exit there is brutal how it just – what's it called? Surge? It just goes dry. Yeah, yeah, you've 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 got to be lucky on the right day with the right tide to be able to mm. navigate out. There's sometimes there's days where it looks so perfect the whole wave, and then you get to the end and you're like, "There's just no possible exit here." Yeah, yeah just not happening. Definitely seems like like I remember when I was a kid, I just didn't understand what you needed to do in certain situations, and I think I still get that all the time now. It's like. I, I even look at the first time I went out ship's turns, and then the last time I went out, and the first time I was so out of my depth, like. Maybe maybe something like fifty percent out of my depth, like setting that the bar so much higher. And then the last time I went, I was like, I really know what I'm meant to do. All that's going to get me is if I get caught out on something I'm not familiar with, which also happened. <laughs> but I had, I had a pretty good run before that in the day. But yeah, it's it's crazy how like your understanding of situations. Like sometimes you'll you get on a really complicated wave, and in you know, 0.3 of a second, you've analyzed the sidewash, where the boils are hitting, how far down the line you think the wave is going to push, where you think the, the slabby sections, the steps are going to be, all of that. And it's like this micro-calculation of, like, what is my perfect line with all of this impending on me right now? For sure, man, for sure. And you make you make a really good point because the um, – the times you continue to go out there, you gather more experience, your maturity as you get older. Like, you know, you look at, say, Mike Stewart, for example, getting close to the age of 60 and just still finding some of the wildest waves on the planet to surf. And he's constantly keep pushing himself up to those that, that next echelon, like that, that next level. And so his ability to calculate, you know, because obviously his body is, is getting older and he's probably not recovering as quickly and whatever. He's, and I'm sure, you know, he's, he's a very healthy guy, so he's tapped into a lot of supplementation and a lot of different, um, you know, methods to keep his body where, where he needs to be. But it's it's insane to think how much maturity plays a big part in um, being able to read that that wave just through those natural experiences. You, you might not have, you know, the young, flexible body that you, you, you once did and that you feel like you can just bounce off the reef and keep going with yourself, but you negate that with the ability to read the wave a lot better and, and just get out of those situations. Yeah, he's, he's amazing. I, I got to um, hang out with him one weekend. I was uh, Tanner and Craig, I'm friends with from Surfing the Wedge, we are on like a science trip and I was over on the East Coast and I was doing this East Coast trip and um, they asked, you know, if I wanted to come up and just hang out and go surfing with them. And uh, it was so cool to just chat with him and like sort of pick his brain at things. And I think him and John, uh, the other rep for science, they were sort of picking my brain at, 
you know, the music industry and, and social media and that we were talking about how to prop up bodyboarding on social media and how to shift into TikTok and all this kind of stuff. Like, cause you know, it's important to sort of feed the culture of the sport to the next generations and how that's done. And it was, it was really cool to see how their, their brains are working on not only in the water, but outside of it. Um, and yeah, it was, it was, it was such a, a great experience. They're um, a formidable team, Johnny Crookshank and Mike Stewart, aren't they? You know, yeah, yeah. They're 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 definitely geared um, with like an amazing natural talent, uh, but also like a, a really good business sense and mind. It's 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 really cool to see. And science plays such a big part here in Australia, so it's um, yeah, it's obviously working. It's it's working well. I was just going to say, you Shrucker called me there. Was that when they were doing? Was that in two thousand and nineteen? The last Kiama. World Tour comp? No, uh, this was East Coast in America. Um, oh, in America. Sorry, I thought you were talking about Australia. And this was when they had that uh, that Leo hurricane. Oh, no, what was it called? Uh, I went to Leo and surfed there during it, but it was, I can't remember what hurricane it was, but it was the end of last year, like maybe October last year. Epic. Uh, Where's Leo? Uh, Leo's in New York. Oh, yes, I've seen these beaches and it's freezing cold usually. Everyone's yeah. hooded up and it's those A-frames that just get so perfect. It was wild, dude. Like, they went hunting some secret wave that was out to sea, like, up, I won't say where, but it was up north, further to New York. And I think they kind of <laughs> they kind of scored, but, like, it didn't quite get up there like they wanted. And I went south because I was going to this show in New York, um... And they set me up as a buddy down there and uh, we drove out and it was like, it was pumping, man. It was, it was probably one of the bigger days I think they said they've seen in a long time, like maybe a few years. And uh, it, it's kind of behaving like pipe or something. Like it just, these breaking at these boils, like way out the back, like maybe like second reef or something would. And then just wall up and just reel in these left-handers that were like some were makeable, some got a bit too quick, some closed out, and just just giant, giant like like you know garage sides uh, like tubes just reeling down the point. It's, it was so fun. That's epic. That's yeah. That's a that's a good time, and especially the new wave too. What what a cool feeling, hey? Surfing a new wave and seeing that occur. Yeah, definitely. I've, I've wanted to score there since I first came like seeing all the waves they get down in Jersey and all that and I finally got like a sick day and I did get one really good wave that day sick and that's all you need one wave hey one really good that's vision it. and that's you're set for a couple of weeks 100% Hey man, I um just before we finish up, I usually well, I've been trying to lately just ask five bodyboarding questions straight off the bat, um, All right. and just like in a in a quick sense, they're they're pretty quick questions, so just uh, answer them as you will. All right, let's do it. All right, so crescent or bat tail? I haven't used the bat tail since I was a kid. Um, I'm pretty happy with the crescents. I think the bats are maybe a more advanced set up and I sort of stopped using them because I wasn't advanced when I was a kid at all (laughs) for sure and they're a little bit harder to control I feel too eh? like generate speed but you don't have that lock in like the crescent tail does yeah and I'm drop kneeing like on 50% of my waves too so I think the crescents for me yep for sure perfect Um, ramp or pit man I'm a pit guy for sure Uh, I love a ramp but I'm all about barrel. I think getting a barrel is like the ultimate feeling for me. 
Yeah, it's a full time portal. Time stands still. Yeah, like like sitting sitting behind the foamy and then like coming through and spitting from behind. Still, be, like I can't beat that feeling. Like I think you can get airs in all other kinds of sports and places, but that's one thing about body about bodyboarding and surfing that's so special is the barrel. I was just about to say that you took the word straight out of my mouth, man. That's exactly the feeling I have with pits. Um, dolphin cut fins or other design fins? What are the dolphin? Are they the traditional like Churchill style? Yeah. Yeah, I'm all about them. <laughs> yeah, giddy up, yeah, yeah, beautiful. I've, I've had I've had a few different ones. I just find they work the best all round. Like, I guess they're in between the power versus acceleration. I think for drop knee, like that, the shorter edge and is always useful and handy. Yeah, I, I think they're the ones. Yeah, giddy up. Um, beachy or reef break? Oh, reef break. Every day of the week, reef break. Love it. <laughs> the, the shallower, yeah. the better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm on the same field too, man. Like it's so cool. And it, it can get a little bit lazy, but at the same time, it's so cool to know where the wave's going to be doing its thing every time. You can position yourself and you can kind of not plan it out, but just read it a bit better. It's it's yeah. epic. I think, yeah, like the the reef break just offers so much for much less effort which i think is usually what you're trying to get in surfing when your life is so busy and you might only get a little window and like i love just hunting that little novelty wave that not many people are going to be on in one day and you go out to see you and a couple of mates or you're just by yourself and just scoring these perfect little tubes little air bowls at the end you can't beat it yeah, no, you can't. It's wild. And it's almost similar to a wave pool where you kind of get in on repeat every time with a slight little difference in each wave. Definitely, yeah. Um, and last but not least, bicep or wrist leash? Oh, bicep. I don't – wrist strap is like an old design, isn't it? Like it just drags and like bicep always. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling the same too. I think um, with the wristies, there was a really cool stage where gyro had some some wrist leashes, and I know that um, that was a bit of a fad there. And I'm pretty sure Sam Bennett wore a uh, wrist leash for ages, and I think that was influencing the, the Groms and a younger generation. But, yeah, I reckon bicep is way more functional. I guess is it that the bicep can slip off whereas the wristy can't? Is that the one difference? Yeah, true. That's a, that's definitely some points for the wrist leash there, definitely. But I don't know, the, the takeoff is so critical, particularly on serious waves. You need all the oomph and speed and kickoff you can get. And if you're dragging, I, I don't know if that's going to be a good thing. Oh, and they just get a bit a bit in the way on the board, don't they? You know, when you're laying mm. your, your, your arms down and you, you get it underneath your forearm and you're like, fuck off, just get up away from me. I want to be concentrated on the wave, not where my leash is. Yeah, yeah, 100%. You can see I'm pretty passionate about the bicep also. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. All right, man. Well, Chris, thank you so much for coming on the Rippy Potty, man. I know you're a super busy dude and um, you've got a new album coming out. Does that drop on the 16th of September, if I'm correct? That's it, man. Yeah, it does, Luke. Um, Giddy up. It's been so good to be on here, mate. I've loved Riptide for years. I used to have posters on my wall. So it's a real honor to be doing a, a podcast with you boys. And I love what you're doing for the sport. Froth and dude, thank you so much. Re- really, really appreciate it. And then shout out to the to the two owners, um, Elliot and Elliot. They've been um, they've been they've been putting some time and effort into this, so it's cool to see it up and running. And we can have guests like yourself on. Yeah, no worries. I, I love it, boys. Thanks so much, everyone. Cheers, bro. Keep well. Thanks, Luke.
Awesome. Thanks, Luke. See you, man. It was all a pipe Bye. dream. Watching body boarding up on TV. Deep at reef, watching tension repeats. Eating bakery feeds at 18. Living the dream with no sunscreen. Yeah, we were so keen.